seems so... I can't believe the Dune news came out right after yeah. we finished our episode last yeah, week. Yeah, last week after we were scrambling to come up with what movie news we were going to talk about on the podcast, then it comes out immediately. After. Oh, yeah. it's I, I mean, of course, since we record this live, at the time we thought, oh, this is going to be the only Dune news of the day. Right. But literally hours after that, I don't even think more than two hours after that. Yeah. They said, oh, no, Dune's coming out on HBO Max same day. And it's like, oh, I just don't believe anybody. Yeah. Now I'm just expecting to see the trailer for it to come out in October. Yeah, it's like October, I think it's coming out. And seeing it be like, see it how it's meant to be seen, only <laughs> in theaters. And it's going to be like, oh, so that's what's really happening. You just yeah, we'll don't want to say it. We'll have to see like an official something or other. For sure. But enough about that, because we have actual shit that's come out this week in terms of... <laughs> Up-to-date Trailers. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, there's there's the big one. Oh, yeah. Logan's Eternals watch comes back again for a side, <laughs> for a side bit in this Logan's episode. Logan's most anticipated film of the decade, Marvel's Eternals. You know how happy I was to wake up just randomly and see... <laughs> A teaser trailer for a film I never thought I was going to get a teaser trailer this early for. Doesn't it seem like that's how like Marvel always does it? It's like everybody's always chomping at the bit for yeah. a trailer. Everybody's freaking out. Everybody's like, oh, it could come out here, 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 or here. And then it just comes out on like a no. random Monday or Tuesday. And what's even crazier is they didn't use from Academy Award winner Chloe Zhao. I know. They, I, did, I don't even think they used her name. They don't use her name. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, it looks... I mean, they probably will in it, the real trailer. Yeah. This was the quote-unquote teaser. teaser. Yeah, but it literally looks like Nomadland in the first shot. Yeah, So yeah, it's yeah. like, okay, yeah, so this is Chloe Zhao. Like, it's... Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's good to see how, Chloe, how Chloe Zhao this movie looks. Yes. Um, you know, I was a little... I don't want to say concerned because it was like literally three shots that we saw in that little, little Marvel sizzle reel. Mm. If, few weeks ago that had some shots from Eternals and I was like, hmm, it looks kind of Chloe Zhao, but it looks like they marveled it or something. But yeah. this this teaser looks a lot more, yeah, you're right, it looks very Nomadland. And I hate to say it, but I think a huge part of it is just they shot on location, which yeah. Marvel has kind of stepped away from I mean, as of late. Yeah, a lot of people have been clowning on Feige for saying, like, I just couldn't believe it looked so good out in the open. <laughs> and it's like, oh... Like, dude, People make movies like this all yeah, the time. It's like, oh, I get it. You're this just... is how the cavemen did it, Feige, <laughs> you futurist. It's just so funny how it's like, I completely understand that he's not saying, I can't believe people make movies right, in right. landscapes, but it's funny that he's like, as a Marvel film, I never thought it could look like this. Yeah. I mean, it... on the, bre- I mean, you know, maybe, hopefully, that, you know, maybe encourages some more, uh, them to do some more stuff in camera, kind of like they did in the earlier films. You yes. Know? Just, I mean, I'm. We're both big fans of the Marvel movies, and I'm not gonna yeah. dig rag on them too hard. But you know, that is something that in the recent movies they've kind of moved away from uh, is doing more practical things, doing more on location things, because you know they've worked out a really good system to shoot stuff in London mm-hmm. or Atlanta or yeah, um, you know, on sound stages and do CGI, and they've got good you know setups mm-hmm. for that. But it would be cool to see more stuff kind of like Eternals. Yeah, I think a lot of that is also because the two, I think two, I mean, two of the driving, bigger driving forces, it's not the Russos, but the Russos are a huge driving force for yeah. the Avengers films. But I think overall, for the visual look of Marvel, I think most people would go to Gunn and Waititi, where it's just like they obviously shot all their stuff on sound stages, but had more of a 
looser attempt in terms of like trying to make a grayer Marvel film and had like this basically an airbrushed like side of a van yeah, type yeah. vibe and I I think with Eternals it could be this vibe of like with Phase Four onward they might be experimenting more with what can constitute as a Marvel film visually. Yeah, I mean I think even. Uh... The tra- the teaser for Shang Chi showed a little bit of promise in yeah, terms of like making a Marvel movie that looks different. You know, yeah. it, it looked like something else. There were there were plenty of parts where that's what I'm noticing in these li- latest two trailers is like there's definitely parts that still kind of look like the current era of Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. But then there's parts of the trailer where it's like, oh, that looks like something I haven't quite seen in these movies before. Yeah. So yeah, I think maybe they're kind of dabbling, branching out, which is a good sign. <clears throat> It also says a lot, too, I think, with the most recent trailers for both teasers for Shang-Chi and Eternals is they have a vibe where they let the trailers feel exactly how the directors are probably going to push the film. Yeah. But at the very end, they end on a Marvel-y stinger yeah, yeah, yeah. that either puts people off or makes them go, ha-ha. Yeah, and well, that's kind of what both these teasers yeah. have. That yeah. I was fine with both the job, like, is the joke in... Shang Chi as we make a great team and it's, eh, yeah, it's I like Aquafina, I like yeah. Aquafina whatever yeah. and then Eternals it's the ooh who's going to be the new leader of the Avengers just <laughs> yeah. a bunch of immortals talking about right. a team I, yeah I, I can do without characters who aren't connected to the Avengers you know referencing Captain yes. America and Iron Man but like you know I don't know it was fine no it is funny though seeing the Eternal stuff where it's like I'm. A hundred percent, obviously, on board with this film, and it's been very yeah. interesting oh, yeah. to see people be like, "I have no idea what this film is, and I'm so excited." Yeah. Or like, "I have no idea what this film is, and I kind of hate that because I want to know." And it's yeah, like, I get I mean, that. There's, I've seen a lot of stuff that reminds me, you know, of just kind of the public seeing comments online and stuff that reminds me of like when Guardians first, the first yes. Guardians came out, and the yeah. trailers came out, and everybody was like. What is this? Why this isn't Avengers? This isn't Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know these characters. And then, of course, it comes out, and now it's like a lot of people's favorite Marvel movie. Yeah, I think um, now it's like people go, "I have no idea what this is," but I also didn't know what Guardians was, yeah. and I loved Guardians. I'm, I'm hoping, yeah, that yeah. there's that kind of memory there. Mm-hmm. We also had we got a smaller one in between these two big trailers, which is Gunpowder Milkshake. Oh yeah, I haven't is, watched it yet. <laughs> it's it's an action film with Karen Gillan, who right. is in Guardians of the Galaxy. You have Michelle Yeoh. Um, gosh, I'm spacing on everyone now. Carla Gugino, Angela Bassett, Lena Headey, Paul Giamatti. It looks like a fun action film. Uh. That's about as much as I could say in terms of how I feel about it. Because it's like, it does have that vibe of like, I don't think it's going to set my world on fire. But I like everyone involved that I've seen. Yeah, kind so of a I, fun project. Yeah. So I kind of hope it's, I hope it's fun. Yeah. But then that didn't matter after didn't I saw matter. that uh, last night in Soho, Edgar Wright's newest film and first horror film yeah. got a trailer apparently and... also a giallo film oh oh was not expecting that i know and that's why um, i love it so much and it because... feels that much more appropriate to talk about it given mm-hmm. our history with dario argento on yeah. the podcast it felt like the equivalent of like seeing crumbs and being like is that the type of dish I think it is? And then I see a dish and I go, oh, it is. It's yeah. exactly what I want. The end of the trailer, just with that big kind of sudden jalo zinger with the oh, freeze yeah. frame and the shattering glass. Oh. And Thomas and Mac- I didn't know Thomas and McKenzie was going to be in this film. I didn't she either. is killing it with roles. Yeah. Just in general recently. Her. And yeah, she's good. And I think she's perfect 
for a heroine in a Jalo film. Yeah. Especially if Anna Taylor Joy is probably going to be spooky for most of it. Yeah. Because of course she is. She kills it in The Witch. Why wouldn't you put her in more spooky things? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, watching that trailer, it's like, ah, it feels like movies are finally coming back. Yeah, it's fun to be. We, I mean, I keep saying this like every episode, but it's just, you know, it's fun to be able to kind of get excited for big releases again. Yeah. And um, it was it, it was fun to watch those because those trailers, wink, hint, hint, those might lead to what our themes for other trilogies will be. Yeah. So it made it a lot easier to be like, okay, that's November, that's October. <laughs> yeah, we kind of pencil into our schedule. And it's also the fact that, like, Last Night in Soho apparently isn't the only Jalo-inspired film we're getting this fall, and I'm super pumped. Oh, what's the other one? Apparently James Wan's newest film, which oh, is entirely really? original, is Jalo-inspired as well. I'm interested to see how that goes. Yes. <laughs> James Wan has kind of been all over the place. He has been, but it will be curious to see, because is he... He's not doing Conjuring 3, is he? No, I don't think he's directing it, and I oh. think, based on the trailer, it's, it kind of shows. It does show. I will say, that's I I just asked out of cur- I, curiosity yeah, and courtesy, because I didn't want to hurt whoever actually did direct <laughs> the film or, direct, or hurt Juan if he said it. But yeah, there's just a lot coming out this upcoming fall, and we're super pumped for it. But what we're talking about today came out... A week ago. Hello everyone, I'm Logan Soash. And I'm Andy Carr. And today on Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, where we talk about a trio of films about the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them, we're actually going to be talking about one specific film for a frequel. In case you didn't listen to last week's episode, we are finishing off, for the time being, <laughs> our Rise of Snyder, basically now the Zack nice. Snyder filmography. The journey of Snyder, the, beginning yes. to end. We are finishing our Snyder saga with Army of the Dead, his latest Netflix film. That his is first Netflix film. His first and probably not the last. No, it sounds like, I mean, it, it, I'm getting the feeling it's like that meme, the friendship ended with Warner Brothers. Now, now Netflix, Netflix is, is my best friend. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel like he's going to probably keep working with them. I have to imagine. It sounds like they gave him pretty much creative freedom on this movie and threw a bunch of money at it. Yeah, that's the thing, too, is, like, last year was a wild year for Snyder because she he was able to get funding for the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Able to get funding to finish the effects and finally get the version of that film that he wanted. But at the same time, last year was also when he was finishing up production as well as reshoots and post for army of the dead yeah and it's interesting now to see in the span of two months yeah, it's been two months since snyder cunt we have seen his end with warner brothers right. and now we see kind of the phoenix rising in the netflix with the <laughs> netflix logo on it with, yeah uh, yeah his first original film since sucker, sucker punch. punch yeah and this movie is Better than Sucker Punch. Yeah, better than Sucker Punch. You can um, at least say that nice thing a about low, it. It's a low hurdle. But, it absolutely um, is. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, no, and also kind of in the grander scheme of things, it's it's interesting because I feel like we're seeing kind of a new um, era in terms of Zack Snyder's place in pop culture. Um, mm-hmm. I think the Snyder Cut won him a lot of good graces with people. Yeah. Um, whether people liked the movie or not. I mean, I personally found it you know pretty much mediocre a lot of improvements but you know 
more than more than my enjoyment of the movie i you know you have to admire the dude's passion and you have to root for him as kind mm-hmm. of the artist against the studio getting to realize his vision oh yeah and there's he's kind of you know he's he's in kind of an a grassroots hero as much as you can be a grassroots hero in a, the blockbuster movie industry it's kind of bizarre how it's like going into the snyder cut most people kind of assumed or i i just i guess i guess i assumed we all kind of knew like he's not coming back regardless of how good this movie is yeah. or how bad this movie is like this is warner brothers giving him the chance to do what he always wanted to do but couldn't because of a horrible family tragedy so what it did as well as it did in terms of like fan response because critically i think it was it did better than Justice League, but not like a huge margin, yeah, I would say. Yeah. And I don't think it made a lot of money overseas when it opened in theaters. No. And and even though it did well in HBO Max, Mortal Kombat blew it out of the water a month later. Yeah, that's that seems surprising to me, but we might be in a little bit of a cinephile bubble with that. Yeah, it was all. Yeah, it's also the fact that like they just probably released enough info. <laughs> yeah, where it's yeah. like, oh, we say Mortal Kombat. It's a, it was it got more people in Snyder Cut. True. It was like, oh. I, I'll take it for I'll take it I guess yeah, but yeah it's like they were a lot of fans of the DC EU were like oh my gosh I want to see what the rest of the Snyder Cut would lead to yeah so it's, it's release the Snyder Cut has has evolved into restore the Snyder verse yeah and it's not gonna happen no and, I, I think yeah and after that because like that was the most interesting part to me post Snyder Cut was like okay we've now buried this hatchet or at least we've We've had the funeral for Snyder's tied to the DCU. So what is what is coming up from these ashes? What, what right. is going to come from this? And what we have is a zombie heist film that is arguably, and it doesn't that this doesn't mean a lot considering his filmography, but this is a zombie heist film that is probably his best film in eleven years, maybe twelve. Uh, gosh, what was eleven years ago? Well, because. Well, I guess Watchmen Sucker, was 11 Sucker years Punch, ago. I think, was 10 years ago. Yeah. Because I think it came out in 2011. And then Watchmen, which we would consider much better than right, this, right. is right. about two years prior to that. Well, better than this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah better. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, might as well. But it's like this. Much film, higher highs. Yes. <laughs> I think to me, going into this, I was really hoping that I would feel like Zach is just going all out. And yeah. whether it whether it turns me off to his next couple films or gets me more intrigued about what he does, I just wanted to see him be him again, and just yeah. out of curiosity as to what that looks like outside of like a studio superhero film. Right. And we got a pretty okay zombie heist film. Yeah, a very middle of the road zombie yeah. movie. Uh, not a lot to grab onto, but you know, I don't know. I felt like my attention was kept. <laughs> you yeah, know, it's, I, I, it's interesting. Yeah, I think the most interesting thing about this movie is just the kind of the opening of a new door in Snyder's career. Yeah, that's the most curious part about it. It's yeah. like, where does he go from here? Right. And if this is be- if this becomes another franchise than that he's entirely tied to, then I'll probably lose interest immediately. Yeah, because I'm like I would kind of rather see him do a bunch of one offs that are bigger budget, right? Or maybe Get to fun. try different things, yeah, different genres. Yeah. You know how much a big budget Snyder romance film would get me hyped <laughs> just because I want to see what the fuck that looks like. 
I yeah. It, it's like it's like a weird. It's like being in a lab and being like, I don't know if I should mix these tubes together, <laughs> these, these vials. But like, what if I did? <laughs> I feel like kinda, it might be bad for me, but I really yeah. want to do it. But Zach's really interested in doing that. And I want to see what he does when he does it. And yeah. so yeah, what you get is a. You get another zombie film from him because, again, this is his first zombie film in 17 years. Yeah. Where his first film ever, Dawn of the Dead, came out in 04. And this film, in my opinion, I think your opinion as well, is yeah. better than Dawn of the I'm Dead. I'm going to say it's definitely better than it's, Dawn of the Dead, which is probably going to, you know, I mean, we're pro- we might be in the minority on that because Dawn of the Dead has a shockingly staunch it does. support group. It does. Uh, I, I, I think it's remembered a little fondly. A little yes, too fondly. a little too fondly. I will say there is an a, there is. I will say the ending is better in Dawn of the Dead. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, that's fair. We'll get to that later. Which, in case you didn't know, we were definitely going to spoil Army of the Dead. So, if you want a too long, didn't read version, of this one, so you can watch it and come back. It's a fine film that yeah. isn't great, but if you're a zombie genre of like nut, I think you'll get enough out of this to be like, well, that was worth yeah. a night, and then I'll never think of it again. Yeah, it's kind of a yeah, Fast and Furious rendition on a zombie movie where it's more about mm-hmm. guns blazing, yeah. stuff flying everywhere, explosions, than but, any sort of like commentary using yeah. the zombie genre. But most anything. importantly, family. Yeah. Zombie family, specifically, because these are zar- smart zombies. Yes, these zombies have culture. Yeah, these are not just any type of zombies. These are zombies that fuck. Yeah, they yeah literally they do. Here's what's so it's funny. Confirmed. This is what's so funny is when I I've this is my second time seeing this. This is your first time because yeah. I had to review it for the Film Me Up. And when I watched it the first time, go I read it, it on filmyup.substack.com. Oh, yeah, yes, shameless plug, but yes. yeah, please do read it. It's it was it it was a fun. It was a very easy article and very interesting review to write because uh, it's it is still an interesting film despite having many flaws. But it was very fun to watch and to see, like, reactions to, like, when the initial, like, because there are hints throughout the film that the uh, the main alpha zombie, which is what they call Zombie him, Zero. Yeah, Zombie Zero. Is, it's very clear that, like, he's got, a, he's got an affinity for, like, the showgirl zombie. Yeah. And at one point he, like, puts his head on her tummy and, like, I watched this with Adam initially and we both looked at each other I was like, is that fucking zombie pregnant? <laughs> and then it gets to a point where it's like it happens again and you go, oh, that's a zombie baby. There's no yeah. way. And it's like it's such a weird film because this is a film that gives you these very stark, very straightforward, like these are what these zombies are. But it's like, okay, but why? And it's like, yeah, nah. It, it periodically throws random new fun facts about the yeah. zombies at you to kind of show you that these zombies are different than zombies you're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not really, like, peppered in in, like, an organic way or, like, in any interesting way that furthers the story. It's just like, oh, all of a sudden, this zombie has blue eyes. Oh, all of a sudden, this zombie has a baby. Oh, yeah. these zombies can communicate. Oh, yeah. They have a hierarchy. Oh, cool. I guess I care. Yeah, it's, it's like there's one scene in particular, like an hour in, where like one of the team members just shoots another team member and says, we need to give these zombies an offering. And everyone else is like, what are you fucking talking about? And then she goes on a spiel about all these things she knew about the zombies but just didn't say beforehand. Yeah, it's just this huge exposition dump. And, and it's, it's like, like yeah, okay. 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 
And then after that, you get a, you get a genuine amount of time with the uh, zombie crew at times. Yeah. Because like the majority of the film, hilariously, for a zombie heist film, most of the time the zombies just don't care. Yeah. They're just like either sleeping or they're in their own little cubby in another vacant like Las Vegas casino. Right. It's like the zombies just hide out, like you know, chill out, stay stay out of the sun, you know, stay mm-hmm. cool. They're just chilling in the Olympia. Yeah hotel which we should definitely definitely get this out of the way in case you have no idea what we're talking about army (laughs) the dead is about a group of mercenaries who are tasked by a casino manager who like owns this building in las vegas that in this world las vegas is entirely overflowed like overridden by zombies and they closed off the city but before the u.s drops a nuke on las vegas this casino manager asks dave batista and co to steal $200 million for him. Yeah. So it's a zombie heist film where they have a time limit before a nuke gets rid of Las Vegas. Yeah, right. And that's the basic gist of it. It's two and a half hours long. Should not be two and a half hours long. But yeah. then again, that seems to be, unfortunately, as much as I really do appreciate Netflix giving auteurs a chance to do something maybe a studio won't give them a chance to do, it seems like that's a very common thing with uh, auteur-driven films on Netflix. Yeah. Where they're just a little too long. And yeah. this one definitely feels its length. Yeah, Netflix seems to be very keen on just handing money to directors and being like, doing what, do whatever you want and not really having any sort of <laughs> restraints. Um, and, like, I'm all for creative freedom, but, like, I don't know, most of the... Most of the brilliant things that have come in cinema history have been born out of restraints and limitations. So yeah. it's like, you know, maybe you give them creative freedom, but give them less money. <laughs> or um, you do what uh, Netflix decided to do with Snyder. Not only do you give him this film, but you give him gosh. a prequel, which he'll be producing. He won't be directing. I yeah. think he might be writing it. And a prequel anime series that will be basically, in Army of the Dead, there is a 10, 12-minute stint of basically background and backstory of all the characters yeah, done to Viva Las Vegas. Yeah, Zach does the, the Zach thing and uses the opening credits to kind of set the story up yeah. without dialogue, just montage set to music, and mm-hmm. he kind of... Sets the stage for how some of these characters got to where they are at the beginning of the movie. And you see a bunch of characters that aren't actually in this story. They're just set-up characters, which, you know, we can assume will be major players in the prequel stuff. There's, like, one character in in the early stages, like, during the credits, where it's very clear that she is important to the group. Yeah, but not to this movie. But not to this movie. So it's like, oh, okay fine yeah and then you then you hear that it's like they're going to be a prequel film that might have nothing to do with zombies i still have no idea <laughs> and then a an anime series that's going to be called lost vegas with this crew as they basically try and get out of yeah evacuate vegas. las vegas by themselves yeah because vegas in the film becomes extremely lawless almost immediately and it becomes apparent that the civilians have to arm themselves and get everyone else out yeah which again that whole part of it i would honestly love to see that's like the most honestly i think i find that a bit more interesting even if it's more conventional than the zombie heist aspect of it well that is fun yeah but at the same time it is very funny just to be watching this film in the very beginning in the first 10 to 12 minutes you get so much where you go what 
oh, maybe they'll talk about that in the prequel series, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, it feels a little okay. Snyder Cutty at times, where it's yes. like, oh, this yeah. is in here to set up stuff that I I either didn't know was going to happen or doesn't need to happen. <laughs> I don't even really know if he has huge writing credits on either the anime series right. or the prequel. I, I would assume both him and his wife, Deborah are going to be producers yeah. on both projects, but... He, he wrote the story for this and yeah. directed it and yeah. is uh, uh, director of photography. We should definitely talk about the <laughs> fact that this is not only his first film outside of DC, this is also his first film as a director of photography. Yeah. and As I, the DP. I, right. And I will say that probably... It feels like to me this movie has considerably scaled back the like uh, kind of garish VFX shots. There's still a ton of CGI in it because they have to create you know a post-apocalypse Las Vegas and also uh, and there's a lot of Tignataro in <laughs> also post-comp Tignataro in over Chris D'Elia. Um <laughs> but uh, it, it feels like because there's less you know. Superheroes in the sky, holding up rocket ships, you know, less less kind of those slow mo grand superhero mm-hmm. shots that we've that we've associated with Snyder over the last decade because of all of his superhero work or comic book work anyway. Um, he's he's scaled back that he's even scaled back the slow mo. Um, that was what shocked me this time around because the first time I didn't even think about it, but I was <laughs> watching with you and I was thinking of the idea of we're doing this. As like a saga to Snyder's filmography, it's like wow, yeah. this is really less egregious right, slow mo. Right, and They're... so yeah, yeah. So he scaled back the slow mo and the the kind of garish CGI, uh, but he's kind of replaced it with this obnoxious shallow camera focus, shallow thing. depth, yeah, of field. shallow depth of field. Yeah. Where and and I'm talking shallow, shallow, like what you see in like the sequences where people are like poisoned or in shock or like about to pass out and you know they focus it so that you can only focus on like one inch of somebody's face and everything else is blurred to shit that's how this whole movie is the entire thing there's like one shot during the so the casino manager is played by Hiroyuki Sanada who plays Scorpion in the newest Mortal Kombat film and also maybe most famously known (laughs) as Yakuza Man from Avengers Endgame yeah I guess his throat slipped by Hawkeye yeah for sorry Ronan he's he's in it for 30 seconds but they do this whole scene where he has a model of the of the of the uh, casino and basically tells them what they should do. And as they do that, at one point, Tignataro, who is entirely reshot, reshoots into the film. She walks up and starts looking and playing with the model. And I shit you not, it looks like not only is it shallow and blurry, it looks like it's shallow and blurry like it's a fisheye lens, and it freaked me out because yeah. I didn't understand why most of the shot I was seeing was so blurry. Yeah, it's... it's She's playing with a helicopter. It's, it's that scene. Yeah, it's really distracting throughout the entire movie because there will literally be things like people or objects that are important to the scene Mm-hmm. in kind of the background or foreground of a shot that you can barely even tell what or who they are yeah. because they're so out of focus. And it's like, what? what is the point of all this? There is definitely, you know, yeah. a use for extreme shallow depth of field, but not if you use it in every single shot. It's very clear, too, that it, this is also not a post decision because there's no way they could be able to make all this yeah. in post and make it look 
like it was made in the camera. Like this is obviously a decision by Snyder as a yeah, DP. Yeah, if, if you want, if you want because, proof of that, just look at how Tignataro was comped into the really fuzzy shots. Which is also really funny because if you thought like you might think like, oh, maybe the reason why they do that is because they have to blur around Tignataro. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. no, I think this is just it an entire stylistic <laughs> yeah. idea, and it just so happened to work for Tignataro. Because yeah. if, in case you don't also know about this, the two biggest things that come from this film are the prequels being announced months before this film had ever come <laughs> yeah. out, and the fact that Chris D'Elia, who was supposed to be the pilot of the helicopter to get them out of Vegas once they get the money, was caught in a Me Too scandal, so they completely digitally erased him from the film and replaced him with Tig Notaro, and they shot all of Tig's work during covid so none of her shots, actually only one of her shots, has a person in it. Yeah. And what's so funny about that shot is that person is in the shot for like 10 seconds and then leaves. <laughs> yeah. So she didn't even really need to be there. Right. And it's wild to watch this film. And if you didn't really know all this beforehand, you could watch this and be like, huh, okay. But if now that you, when you know this, you watch it and go, Wow. Wow. They did so much more work. Oh my God. It's, it, it's, it stands out yeah. in certain scenes. Like there's one scene where we both saw she looked like a cardboard cutout. <laughs> she looked <laughs> no, very, she was, she so was, flat. She was yeah. 2D. Like, well, everyone else looked pretty well defined lighting wise. Yeah. And there's also funny scenes where it's like they're talking about her in the room with her and they refer to her as he. Because it was Crystalia when they shot those yeah, scenes and, and they did an ADR. They it. didn't bother to dub over. Yeah. It is so funny, but also I think it was a better choice. I like oh, Tignataro personally better as a comedian. Oh, but. I like her better as a comedian, and also like in in terms of the role that that character gets in this movie, Tig feels yeah. like a much better fit. I don't know how much the role changed, you know, when the when the mm-hmm. actor changed, but she just feels so much more proper yeah. for the way that the character's used. I mean, Chris D'Elia in this role would just feel, I don't know, str- I guess it's strange that Tig Notaro's in this movie, but it would feel more strange to me with Chris D'Elia there. Could you imagine if, like, worst case scenario, Batista was caught in a scandal and they had to find a way to <laughs> alter him? That would have been... They cast Eliza Schlesinger. <laughs> <laughs> no, they cast John Cena. John Cena, yeah. They get another wrestler, ex-wrestler. <laughs> But it's it, it almost felt hilariously coincidentally perfect how it's like the one person to get caught in a Me Too scandal in that cast is the one who is the l- most disconnected story wise. Yeah, it's weirdly so convenient. Just, yeah, so they could just be like, oh, we'll cut this scene out. We'll do this in post on a green screen. We'll do right. this. Oh, like when Crystal Lee is met, when they meet, he's on the other side of a fence. Yeah. We'll just find a fence that looks like the fence in the original <laughs> shot and make it look like they're talking to one another. Well, and you got to appreciate. Zack Snyder's kind of gung-ho-ness to make it work. I mean, yeah. it, this is the guy who made 300. He he suggested doing a comic book-inspired movie entirely set on a green screen soundstage, and the producers yeah. looked at him and was like, what? No, you can't make a movie that way. And he was like, yeah, watch me. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it works a lot more than it doesn't, Well, and, which is I shocking. Mean, what it really boils down to is, if you don't know, which, sorry, now we've ruined it for you. If you yeah. don't know, it's actually you, you aren't going to notice. Yeah. Um, it's not so garishly bad that 
no. you know, it would stick out. But once you do know, it's impossible not to notice. It's, it's not good enough to the point where it's like, wow, I never yeah. would have guessed. Yeah, Nataro's CG uh, cigar smoke is more apparent <laughs> than the fact that she's not in any real... Like, she wasn't yeah. really there when they shot those scenes. Yeah. So again, I mean, it's... The film has moments like that where it's like, God, this is actually... Do I like this? I kind of like this. That's like that's how a lot of the film is until the very end. Yeah. But like for the good two hours of this two and a half hour film, like it's pretty straightforward in terms of the first hour is building the team, backstory, prepping everyone to go into Vegas. Hour one to hour two is like the job. Yeah. And then the last 30 minutes is the shitty ending. Right. But for those first two hours, like there are genuine moments where it's like, I like what this character's trying to do. Or, like, I like what this actor or actress is trying to do. Yeah. Like, I think the cast the is cast actually talented. The cast does a really good job. Yeah. yeah I think. Um, and also, uh, it really feels to me like Snyder is kind of going... I mean, obviously, it's a zombie movie, so he's kind of going back to his roots just by virtue of that. But, like, he's kind of going for a similar thing where, like, each part of this very large ensemble cast, each person is, like, kind of this archetypal character and they've got this specific shtick and Mm -hmm. you know it's like for a second it's like oh that's fun i like that all these characters are distinct but then like i don't know most of them don't get really enough to do to really care some of them get some fun fun stuff and like basic zombie fashion the ensemble cast has at least one sentence of like oh this is van this is kate right this is the coyote and this is what they do and then from that point forward, they might not get more than that. Yeah, they just but, say stuff. Yeah, but they get maybe a line or two and then perform, like the actor or actress plays it in a way where it's like, I see what you're doing, yeah. and I appreciate that. Doesn't mean I like this character that much, or I love this character, but it works. I mean, I think Batista is putting way too much effort into this movie, yeah, and you- I appreciate <laughs> him for doing that to a degree. You can tell when he, like, in this movie, the performance he's giving, like, it really makes a lot of sense with the recent comments he's made in yeah. interviews about, how, like, I really want to, uh, you know, I want to break free of this sort of blockbuster, uh, you know, box I've been mm-hmm. uh, shoved into. I want to do, you know, stuff that's a little more dramatic, and... I don't want to say most of the emotional stuff in this movie works because it doesn't. It doesn't. But he's clearly really going for it, and yeah. he's not bad. It's a little goofy at times, but I feel like most of that is like the edit and the lack of enough writing to make me care. Well, it's also <laughs> the fact that the writing is either so upfront or just so la- like weirdly laughably like, did you just really say yeah. that? Because like again, this script is not the worst. Snyder is done. No, it's certainly That's sucker less... punch. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like there are lines in this where it's like, I mean, even if we just scope by Hiroki Sonata saying uh, easy peasy Japanesey <laughs> with the most sincere, ver- like, yeah, he... it's just you, you got a feel for the guy. It's like, you know, Zack Snyder walked up to him and was like, okay, Mr. Sonata. I need you to say this line. It's going to be great. You it's going to be great. You It'll remember be fine. I, it's going to be great. You remember when I said I was going to change the line? <laughs> Actually, not. it might be even funnier to think that that wasn't the original line. <laughs> you know, set came up with that on set and was just like, wait, what I want to try something. He, hear me out. It's even funnier if Hiroyuki just came up with that on yeah. the set. Because <laughs> oh, remember, Snyder loves, like, you know, 
actress coming up to him being oh, like, yeah. I want to try this. And it's like, yeah, yeah let's do that. <laughs> and even if you get past that, like, super 90s ass line, right. there's one line later on where both, I can't think of Batista's name off the top of my head. Cause Isn't it Scott? I think it is. It's Scott, Scott Ward. Ward. So Scott has a daughter who is estranged from him, and he assumes it's because he had to kill his wife and her mother because she became a zombie. And they have this, there's supposed to be this heart to heart moment where he's trying to say, I'm sorry. And it won't like, <laughs> won't make up for anything that I did. And, and then like his daughter's like, I don't blame you for killing mom. Like she was a zombie. I get that. You were just, weren't that, you were like an absentee father. And it's like, yeah, I was dealing with trauma. Yeah. And they have this, it's supposed to be a very heart to heart moment. And it just doesn't work because the characters, this is the first time they've really had a moment like this. Yeah. And then Kate decides to say, I've hated you for so long, I don't know if I can turn it off. <laughs> After this, like, heartfelt, like, pouring yeah. his feelings into it. And, like, his daughter is just like, nah, I just hate the shit out yeah. of you. Well, and then it, his reaction shot is just kind of, it's almost, it looks like it should be, like, a gif or, like, a meme like or something. A, it's just like, It's like a oh. sad puppy. It's like, oh, all right. He puts on his old man glasses <laughs> yeah. and just goes back to work. Yeah. Uh, I mean... The biggest issue with the film that I have, and I think you do as well, is the character of Kate Ward. Yeah. It's played by Ella Purnell, and I will say she is not bad in the film. No. This is entirely a character who is written to be one of the most unbearable characters, if not the most unbearable character in the film. Yeah, she's she's firstly distracting from the fun part of the plot, and yeah. also kind of causes a lot of the problems that the characters have to deal with, and yeah. not like in a funny way it's just in like a oh i have to go do this thing i really want to go do this thing no don't go do that thing okay i'm gonna go do this yeah. thing i'm gonna lie to you and say i'm not gonna do it and then i'm yeah. going to do it yeah because it's like and the just, a it gets everybody killed yeah because the a plot of the f it's not like the a plot of the film is scott and company try to get the money and then b plot is scott trying to reconcile with his daughter it's more like a plot is scott and company getting the money and then b plot is Oh no, Kate knows his mother in a refugee camp and she's missing even though she probably shouldn't have gone into Vegas to right. get money. She's probably dead because she's not a warrior, but I have to go find her <laughs> in Vegas, which is a small town, I guess. Yeah, yeah. If what? I look around hard enough, I'll come yeah. across her. Like the first time watching the film with Adam, I was watching the scene that introduces Gita is her name, the mother, and Kate's relationship. I'm just like... This is going to drag the film down, isn't it? Yeah. And then the second time I watched it with you, it's like, oh, I hate this scene. Because <laughs> it's just like, it adds like, not only is that, it also adds a character who is apparently a a rapist who works at the uh, refugee camp. Oh, yeah, as the, like, like security guard yeah, or cop a, type figure. Yeah, like a like a, a cop for hire that it just keeps, basically. Like, threatening sexual assault and stuff. Yeah, basically saying like I could I could say that you're a zombie and anyone would take my word for it and I can shoot you right now. Or yeah. you know, you could just play along. Like thankfully you don't see anything horrible done. I would yeah. I think this movie would have been canned immediately by <laughs> Netflix if he tried to do that. He wouldn't well, have done yeah, that. Yeah, and it's not like the but... movie's really making light of those <laughs> situations, but it's also, you know, not really <laughs> doing anything interesting mm -hmm. or profound with it it's just kind of like mm -hmm. why do why do we have to deal with this guy yeah this guy's just unpleasant but on I, screen I've, I've seen other critics try to say or say that like they enjoy the relationship with batista and pernell as scott and kate in a way in, in terms of like snyder post his daughter's tragic death 
trying to build a father-daughter relationship that feels very emotional and relatable. And I do appreciate that attempt, but it's an attempt. It really yeah. doesn't... At the very end, when they have their heart-to-heart that ultimately is like the last time they will speak to one another, you just don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much... There is no real emotional tie to anything in this film. And it's like, regardless of how Tom Hulkenberg, who is also Junkie XL, tries to make this tra- like this moment of like, oh no, this character is dying, are you sad? And it's like, no, I don't feel anything, because you really <laughs> didn't give this character much until very Walking Dead-esque, like, five minutes before they died. Right, yeah. So how am I supposed to care when they do, if I haven't given a time to process and feel like they're developed? And that's basically the majority of the characters. It's, yeah. I mean, is there anything else you would like to say in terms of like how you felt? Because again, this is no, your first I mean, time seeing it. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't have honestly that much to say about the movie. It's very middling. Um, I would say, you know, it's kind of on par with Snyder Cut, but it has, you know, Snyder Cut has higher highs and maybe lower lows. Yeah, this is just kind of down the middle of just kind of mediocre to bad. <laughs> um, Snyder yeah. Cut is like. A little bit of awesomeness, a lot of mediocrity, a little bit of terribleness. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, if I were to, not that we're a review show, but that's a that's my review of it. Um, yeah, and in terms of the scope of his filmography, yeah. this is a breath of fresh air. I will say it at that. Yeah, where it's, it's like, nice to get away from the superhero stuff yeah. with him and just the kind of... I don't know. He he got so hung up with his DC movies and even Watchmen too, um, with just kind of like the the mythic weight of these characters and how important this is and mm-hmm. everything I could possibly say with these very loved characters and my version of them. And here it's just you know it's just yeah. people killing zombies, trying to steal money. Mm-hmm. Like that's nice. <laughs> like like the political stuff in this is very minimal, which yeah, is very fantastic. Scant. Well, and he's not I'll usually all that. that political anyway, at least no, not yeah. intentionally. I think sometimes <laughs> his movies end up kind of, you know, either politically incorrect or downright offensive, but I don't think he intends them to be. Yeah, but it's like in this, it's it's still funny that in the small amount of political stuff that we have, like there's kind of a Trump-ish reference. Yeah, he and, does a little bit of the, the yeah. indirect Trump comedy, like and, Trump uh parody yeah and it's also funny that we have everyone's favorite cameo a sean spicer cameo for five seconds why is who asked sean spicer to do this talking about like you know people like the government like oppressing people by making them you know get hit by temperature guns and all this and it's like okay i get what you're trying to say but i'm i'm glad as soon as you're like are you trying to say it it's already gone right we're done this film is very cut and dry a zombie genre film that'll ultimately that that some of that feels like it carries over from Dawn of the Dead because that was a very yeah. like post nine eleven Bush era film that has a lot of mm-hmm. like just things here and there pertaining uh-huh. to the current time, but they 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 yeah. come and go so quickly that it's like I don't even know if you know what you were trying to say with it. Which is funny though too because in the original Gun script for that Dawn of the Dead remake, I think it is more progressive and more satirical. Yeah. yeah. So what we get in that film Zach's is more plays it straight. Yeah, and in this, it he also plays it pretty fairly straight yeah. but even then it's like it's so minimal that it's like ah yeah i guess that's... i should i that doesn't surprise me that this is in a snyder film yeah 
And, I mean, the zombies are fun, but they're also just, like, nonsensical at times, where it's like... Yeah, it's kind of just like, we're gonna come up with zombies that can do everything, and it's like, well, that's not fun anymore. Yeah, (laughs) Zombie Zero is on a roof of a casino, and they use a helicopter to get to another casino that's far away from said building, and Zombie Zero gets to that building, I think, before Batista and Tignataro get to the other casino... And it's just like, okay. Uh, yeah, the biggest issue with the third act is by the end of the film, they don't really get the money. They find out that the reason why they're being sent to the casino is mainly as a d- distraction so that Tanaka's head security man, played by Garrett Dillhunt, I think is his name. He's yeah. from Raising Hope, Looper. Yeah. He's a good character actor. I like him a lot. Right. But uh, his his main goal is to basically get the head of a alpha zombie. I was going to call him a Chad zombie, but it's an alpha. And basically <laughs> a giga zombie and sell it to the army. Yes, yeah, so they can is, make a zombie army. Which doesn't really make any sense because we find out in the film that it's kind of the army's fault this happened in the first place. So yeah, obviously they had they some sort know. of experiment that got loose and that's the thing that causes the whole yeah. zombie apocalypse. It's like, well, okay. I guess I guess that's a, mm-hmm. that's a true-to-life thing. The army mm-hmm. never learns. <laughs> I remember <laughs> or when the like, U.S. government never yeah. learns. A few days ago, actually, I talked to my dad because my dad watched this film. When, it, what do you think about the film? And he's like, I really enjoyed it, but like, I have these questions. Can you answer them for me? And I'm like, to be honest, <laughs> no. I feel like my answer is going to be it'll probably be explained in the prequels, or yeah. I just don't know. And he had the same issues I had, where it's like, why did the zombie create a, a giga zombie? Right. Why do the zombies have blue blood or electric kind of like yeah, lightning glowing blood? eyes and yeah, glowing, magic blood? Yeah, what do they kind of look like robots at times? And I was <laughs> yeah. like, I, I don't know. Right. Like, I, I, I feel like Zack has lore and like an explanation for that because I feel like Snyder does usually have those in his yeah. back pocket. But at the same time, it's like this film is two and a half hours long. And it doesn't feel like it's two and a half hours long to explain the world. It's two and a half hours long because it's two and a half hours yeah. long. It's, it's you know, on the one hand it is refreshing because it's, you know, Zach stepping away from the whole, from the Warner Brothers world. And that's kind of nice. Um, it's, you know, he's turning over a new leaf. But it's also like the movie itself doesn't hit with much impact. And I don't feel like looking back anybody's going to be like, Oh yeah, and here's a huge stop on the Zack Snyder filmography, mm-hmm. Army of the Dead. No, like people are going to talk about you know Watchmen 300, suit the mm-hmm. DC stuff, um, and this movie is just kind of I think going to be kind of a footnote between Warner Brothers and whatever's next for him. Yeah, I, at I least mean, I hope because <laughs> reviews that have popped up for me time to time have seemed fairly positive. Not in terms of they're getting like an eight out no, of ten, yeah, but right. it's like it seems like the consensus is that it's pretty good from a lot of critics in terms of like it's pretty fun right and it's so much better than batman v superman because right. literally no, I everything that, but i mean batman v superman is it's probably i mean it's way worse but like yeah. more people talk about that movie than i think are going to talk about this movie 100 percent understandable yeah, I, know, I agree just, with that yeah i i think for this this film it's either you like this film and you go, oh, I'm, if you love Snyder, you're going to enjoy this film because it's like, oh, it's Snyder back to his basics. <laughs> and if you hate Snyder, I think you could watch this film and go, you know, to be honest, like, it wasn't great, but 
At least it's not Batman v Superman. And that's basically where this film is going to be, yeah. in the very middle. Yeah, it more just kind of makes me excited for what maybe he'll do next. Yeah. And doesn't so much make me excited for what's next with this franchise. Um, um, you know, since they're... Hopefully it's uh, Owls of Gahul 2. Electric just... Hoogaloo. Oh, I yeah. would really love that's, that. That's all I really want from Snyder is more Ooh. more CG, like not more CGI, more like three, <laughs> 3D animated Wait, I didn't mean that. <laughs> action movies like Guardians of Gahul. If, if, I, if Snyder just said tomorrow, like, listen, if you go see the next five Army of the Dead type movies, <laughs> I will, I will make... make 13 Guardians of the whole movies i would go who better sure yeah who better to just you know acquire the license and give them free reign on that than netflix just be like hey guardians of gahul yeah we can do that yeah who better to be like listen i know you know you got you got tall girl two you know shao and bones gonna get that second season soon enough but like I don't know, Zach. Do you really want to do Owls of Ghoul too? <laughs> he's just on his hands yeah. and knees begging. Them. He has all the books on the table, and he's like, "Yes, I've put my life into this." I was gonna say, "I, I could, need this." I couldn't do Dead Rising, so I did my own version. If you don't give me Ghoul, I'll do my own Ghoul. <laughs> could you imagine yeah. if Snyder did Redwall? Wow! Like, could you imagine if like I mean, that, that Guardians actually of the gets... is basically a you know a similar thing to Redwall? It's, you I know, think I, it's an I animal know, animal fantasy thing. And... I know just little enough of Redwall that I don't know if I would agree with that. Not because I think oh, you're wrong. I, I don't because... know about the story, the actual story, but just the general premise of let's have a kind of a high fantasy <laughs> world with all these social structures and all the characters are cute little animals. God, could you imagine if it was like Amazon's got Wheel of Time and Lord of the Rings and Netflix has The Witcher and the Owls of Ghoul. <laughs> and coming soon, Redwall. And Shadow and Bone, yeah, baby. Yeah. But yeah, that's Army of the Dead. Yeah, It I could mean, be so much worse. So I'm glad it isn't, but at yeah. the same time, you do not have to watch it. Yeah, I think the my biggest takeaway is I, I think it's interesting, you know, since we've been here for the entire... We've done the whole Snyder filmography up to this point on this podcast. We absolutely have. I think it's kind of fun to think that if you were to go back and watch just all of the Snyder-related episodes uh, of our podcast, you would see, I think for me, a character arc in in my, you know, I don't, I, I when we first were going to do Snyder stuff, I was kind of like dreading it, not in the sense of like, yeah. Oh, I'm going to hate the podcast if I do this, <laughs> but more like, you know, I have a pers- perverse fascination with like, Oh, Zack Snyder movies are terrible. Mm-hmm. I want to watch them and rip them apart. And it was like, yeah, a lot of them I don't like, but you know, also I think I gained a greater, greater appreciation for him. Yeah. You know, by the time, you know, Watchmen happens and you're like, oh, okay, I can see he's trying to go for something here. 300 is like, oh, wow, he's really, you know, going all out, committing to his passion. DC is a slump for me where I'm like, eh. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you finally get to Snyder Cut and it's like, how do you not root for the guy? Even though I didn't really like the movie, it's yeah. like, you know what? You did you and you got to do it against all odds, against the studio. And now here we are. He's, you know... He's got a new partnership with Netflix. He's mm-hmm. off to do another things. He's, you know, the horizon is bright for him, I think. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know what? I good for him. 
Yeah, and I think in my sense, when I think of all the Snyder films we've gone through, it's more of a self-reflection in terms of when we started doing Snyder, it was our second trilogy. Yeah. And I feel like it is truly the trilogy where we kind of caught our stride a bit more. Yeah, we kind of molded our form. Yeah, and I love the Bill and Ted episodes, and I don't think there's anything really wrong with him, but I do feel like with the Snyder episodes, we had a more idea of like, okay, this is what we kind of want to do mm-hmm. in terms of, like, discussion stuff. And as much as we love to talk about films that we love, like we talked about with both Sheridan's, the first two Sheridan films, it is also fun to talk about an auteur that maybe we don't love, but, but has say a lot about. Yeah, has, yeah. A, has enough interesting elements to them yeah. that we can talk about. And I feel like, yeah, I, if you just watch, in, or watch, if you listen to all the Snyder episodes, I feel like they're all interesting in their own right. Just because Snyder has such a truly interesting filmography yeah. and backstory, and this, the fact that it goes from 2004 creating a film after after being in commercials for so many years yeah. to now being at another zombie film, but now at a place where he can just, if he wants to create a franchise, and Netflix might just say, "Yeah, go ahead." Yeah, it shows a lot of growth from that, and it also shows how interesting it is to pick an auteur who thankfully fits the mold of trilogies well enough that we can kind of <laughs> yeah. ebb and flow towards the uh, his recent stuff. So I'm very excited to see what he does in the future. Does it mean I think it's going to be good? Probably not, <laughs> but I like Snyder as a uh, character. Like a, yeah, he's a good mm-hmm. character. He seems like a his nice persona, guy. persona, for sure. Everybody says he's great to work with. Yeah. And also, yeah, he's just, you know, in a... Not to get too poetic about it, but, like, in some ways he's kind of, you know, stands as, like, a symbol of, you know, in the big machine of blockbuster filmmaking. He's kind mm-hmm. of an interesting figure where he's he's run the gamut and he's done all sorts of different projects. And he's, every time, he's kind of gotten to make his actual vision despite yeah. all of the weight that's on him. And he's always, even when he has very little knowledge of a certain thing, he will just <laughs> jump headfirst in. Yeah, and he'll do his a, version of it. Which is fucking admirable, to be yeah. honest. I still think of, from time to time, him talking about being an Alice Gahul, being like, I had no idea how to do anything animated-wise. Yeah. But they taught me how to do that, and I taught them how to, you know, right. be a director. I mean, the, yeah, and it's the, like, The eh. Tignataro comping is just another example of that. He was like, yeah, yeah the, we'll figure it out. Yeah, it's and it's COVID. Who, yeah. It's not going to stop us. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh. So we're we're glad we did this. I'm I'm glad that it's not a steaming pile of shit. Yeah, <laughs> and that's all I can really say yeah, going I'm, into that. I'm I'm also glad that you know maybe we we don't have to do a Snyder episode for a while. Yeah, because we've covered it all for now. Because what <laughs> we're gonna do next is gonna be one that's gonna be its own can of worms to handle. Yeah, where um up next we are doing a three in one episode again. Yeah. It's not going to be a Cars type film or Kung Fu Panda. No, no, we could not. do one of those trilogies again. We could do Cars Redux. A Redux, maybe, <laughs> maybe for an anniversary episode. Maybe it's just all <laughs> Cars too. But um, we're going to take off the weekend of June fifth. Right? Yeah, yeah. Next, yeah, yes. next weekend we'll be off. So we're going to take a week off because on June twelfth we are going to have a three in one. Of a horror trilogy that just finished at that time, and that's going to be the Conjuring trilogy. Yeah, Conjuring three, or officially titled "The Devil the... Made Me Do It," comes out June fourth. So title. we'll be the following week. We'll be doing all three movies, 
I'm a big fan of the first one. I remember thoroughly enjoying the second one, but I haven't watched it since theaters. The third one looks like it could go either way. It's yeah. also not directed by James Wan, which is interesting and kind of worrisome, but who knows? We'll what's, see. What's crazy about that trilogy is I think we'll have a lot of good to talk about with one. Yeah. I think we'll talk about how two, I think two will be like, there's more flaws in two, but two's still fun. But by the time two comes out, they, they franchised they it. franchised it in a way that, it, we'll talk about it more when we get to it, but it is quite astonishing how it is not the only odd trilogy in that universe that we could do, but it's probably the only one we are going it's to the do only willingly. One I can afford to yeah, do unless, mentally. Unless you force us to do the other one. <laughs> Tune in on June 12th when we finally tackle the Conjuring trilogy. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. <laughs>